Duncan, you're a girl's guest, not mine. Oh. <laughs> Please don't interact directly with me. Uh, <laughs> you pair of fucking assholes. Let's uh, let's get yeah. started, <laughs> right? Um, oh no, Frankenstein's army. Uh, right, hold on to hold on to find the details. Oh no, hold on to. <laughs> you sound so fucking sexy when you start like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking cyberspunk. Cyber. I just had a cyberspunk on you, on your cyber chips. Greetings, my friend. Good evening and welcome once again to yet another episode of Gil and Roscoe's most bodacious of horror podcast. I, as ever, am Mr. Gil Rokotansky. I'm joined once again by my dear friend and colleague, Mr. Jamie Jenkins. Jamie, how the devil are you? <laughs> <laughs> and to I'm our... fine, Roscoe. How are you? That is a wicked impression, dude. <laughs> to our rights. You should hear my David Anders. It's brilliant. It is. It's a very good impression. To our rights. The hideously deformed creature of human, superhuman size and strength, Mr. Gil Rokotansky. Gil, how the devil are you? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you? I'm very well, man. I'm very well. As in fact, Mr. Duncan McLeish from the second-rate Scottish podcast, <laughs> podcast Under the Stairs. <laughs> Duncan, are you well? I'm secondary. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you admit it. And, <laughs> That's cool. Um, so, we understand that, obviously, congratulations are in order. You're now a father. I am indeed, yes. How's that treating you? Um, actually, really good. Um, she's been pretty much perfect thus far. Sleeps uh-huh. fucking 12 hours every night. Um, doesn't really cry. Is quite content, but she's not teething or anything yet, and she hasn't learned how to speak. So, these are, these are early days. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that's what makes her perfect. <laughs> and she's never to change. I was thinking um, you can't say that about your own children. There's, there's no bad <laughs> chat yet. Yeah. Uh, when she gets to be a teenager, it's going to be awesome. When she gets to be a teenager, she's not leaving the house. <laughs> so, so how old is Winter? Uh, she's 15 weeks old 15 tomorrow. Weeks old. Well, that's amazing. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um that's cool. And you, have you returned to work now? Oh, yeah. I'd only had like about... No, I had the, the full three weeks off uh-huh. um, my work, but then went back and then changed jobs as well. So in the interim, I've switched jobs. So it just seemed like the right time. You know, life changes and all the rest. So I'm now I'm now no longer a public servant. Awesome. And have you I'm had out. Had your stitches out? <laughs> I don't think that's how it works, Gil. <laughs> I think I think his main job is uh, a tad more administrative uh, in this yeah. in this arrangement. Paperwork, purely paperwork. Uh-huh, purely... <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm no biologist. <laughs> as, my, as my dear uh, lady friend will attest. <laughs> 
excellent. That's excellent news, though. That's very good. It's always nice to 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 have uh, one of one of our own doing well, and oh. uh, it's it's always nice. And it's very nice to have you on the show. Um, and I mean that most sincerely, despite the fact that I told you at the start of our conversation that you were Gil's guest and not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to noise you up. Get the blood. <laughs> Get the blood flowing around your weak podcast veins. <laughs> My secondary podcast veins. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I suggested a film this week, which I knew for a fact. I, I saw it when it came out, and it, I didn't like it when it came out. And I suggested it. And uh, to be honest, everything I get on this show is really well deserved, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, to be honest, it wasn't I, Frankenstein. It wasn't up there with it, with that, so you're uh, you've not quite uh, taken the crown from me with regard to terrible films that, that have been put forward. I did so, check that out, by the way. Um, did after, you? Did yeah, you? even even though your review had pretty much put me off ever looking at that movie at all, even like acknowledging its existence, I did check it out, and you're pretty much spot on, guys. It's mm. as it is as bad as you said it was. I, th- I think I tried to say it was quite good to just try and get everybody to shut up <laughs> off my case. But, um, yeah. That's cool, man. And Gil, how are you, um, my dear friend? I've, I've not asked you how you are. Uh, are you I, well? I'm pretty good, yep. Uh-huh. I, uh, oh, I sh- should also say congratulations to Johnny Monolith and his wife because they've also had a baby. Absolutely. So that would be uh, Winter's future boyfriend. <laughs> oh, why? When she's allowed to leave the house at the age Easy of now. 47. Aye, 47. She bought like, like that check from uh, Sightseers. <laughs> <laughs> so congr- congratulations to him. And also uh, our very own Jonathan Jonathan Jr. is currently expecting a baby. Not like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that, but his dear wife is, is expecting a baby. So that could be a, that should be imminent anytime soon as well. So we've got that to look forward to too. See, if you listen to our podcast, there will be some spunk involved. Spunk <laughs> all over the shop. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why she asked me to leave. <laughs> I'd only gone in for a month. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> what about you, Roscoe? You're, you're all right. Is that what you're going to give me? Is that the material? Is is this what you're going to do when you're in Waterman? Yeah, I've. No, I've actually... I am alright, man. I'm alright. I've just been alright. Not bad. No, I've I've applied for a a three month voluntary position as mm-hmm. a research assistant wow. at, and interviewer. Uh huh. Who's it with? It's uh, with the Glasgow Film Theatre. Very cool. To research uh, the past one hundred years of cinema in Glasgow, and as part of the the application process because they're looking for people that will be working with audio editing. I did mention that I kind of produce a podcast. I didn't tell them the name of the podcast or where to find it for reasons that might be obvious due to the start of this show. Certainly certainly it's called The Podcast Under the Stairs. (laughs) It's Scotland's secondary uh, podcast. Scotland's... Scotland's second best podcast. <laughs> what's, what's number one? Oh, I can't tell you that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you that. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, so that's really good, girl. That's a really good opportunity. Yeah, it should be cool. I'll find out if I get an interview on Friday. Absolutely. Very cool, man. Very cool. Mm. What, what about you, you gallivanter? 
I've been gallivanting, yes. I've been gallivanting, so yes, very, very happy indeed. And uh, running up and down to Manchester like a fiddler's elbow. Uh, <laughs> is that a thing? I don't know. I think fiddlers do have elbows, yeah. They do. <laughs> they do. So that's been rather lovely, and I've been able to... Uh, Karen's been twisting my arm to watch films for the podcast, whereas I would just kind of let it run. I'll go, yeah, I'll do it on the night. Yeah, just watch it in the ten minutes that, that just before Gil phones me and uh, take it from there. So she's very well behaved, and I'm just a, a loser when it comes to things like that. I thought you were going to say fud. Uh, well, that would be a really good word to describe me, actually, Mister Mister Rock, Rockman Rock. I think you would be spot on there. Um, so yeah, I'm very well. Uh, I'm on the rosy wine this evening. It's uh, it's very nice. It's Blossom Hill. Uh, I don't know the the exact make and model. Uh, I think it's an Astra. Um, <laughs> beyond that, I'm unsure. Suspension's a bit fucked. Um, <laughs> aside for that, it's running fine. <laughs> so what so films? I... What films is everyone watching? I can see that I'm having to like remember, remember the structure. And everything. You, you, you know this podcast got to fuck when I'm the one having to remember there's a structure. <laughs> Oh, that, so it's it's time for the news. As as devour the podcast said on their last one, they all listen to this podcast, and sometimes I say things that are just completely incomprehensible. Not that they can't make out what I'm saying; they just don't have a clue what to mean. Yeah, so hundred episodes of the podcast, by the way, and definitely worth mentioning. Um, our dear friends, uh, David, uh, Jamie, and Bo, uh, have completed a hundred episodes, but. Uh, notable that none of them have actually done a hundred episodes, yeah. which is <laughs> amazing. But even they hundred... couldn't handle that. Yeah. So congratulations to them. The last episode is very amusing. Uh, if it gets a bit weird towards the end, it's <laughs> nonetheless pretty good fun. Um, so definitely check that out if you get a chance. So congratulations to all your friends to build the podcast. Yep, they get drunk pretty quickly. The bunch awesome. of lightweights. <laughs> Absolutely, I believe David had three shandies. <laughs> <laughs> they get drunk at the speed of a perfect date. <laughs> yes. So there we go. There we go. So the presence of a hypno. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, right. So Gil, uh, what films have you seen this week? Uh, I have seen. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah, there we go. Twice. So Mr. M- Twice, absolutely. Mr. McLeish, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy this week? I have not yet. It's on my list. I'm not I'm not entirely big on kind of, and, and I'm going to get shouted at, I know, uh, the kind of Marvel thing. It's, uh, I've caught a couple of them. Some of them I've liked, some of them I've not liked. But that, because uh, James Gunn's behind that one, uh-huh. and because the trailers themselves look like a lot of fun, um, it's on my list of things to check out this week. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about apologising for being an adult and not watching uh, <laughs> kids' superhero movies, <laughs> to be fair. Um, but yeah, I thought it was amazing. I really enjoyed it. Great to go to the cinema with Mr. Rockman Rokotansky and uh, a little mandate. Yep. Um, it would have been better if he'd put out, I'll be the first to admit. But, um, <laughs> it all yeah. went downhill for you from the cheese incident. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that was pretty awkward. I just said, oh, just have the same as what he's having. And then you just says, I just want hunnels of cheese. Just and, all the cheese. And all the jalapenos. And then you watch them pouring the cheese in its horrible manky liquid state oh, into little God, tubs. Yeah, that's <laughs> banging. Uh. <laughs> you look like somebody shot your dog. <laughs> <laughs> and you're standing going, what is it, what is it? And I was going, do you want me to ask the man? Well, I ask the man. And you go, oh, no, it's too late now. <laughs> and then when you came back over, we're like, what else have you got? Salsa. I'll have that, please. There we go. And I got the extra cheese. You did, and you were made up. Yeah. Your happy face. It was lovely to see. So, yeah, so James Gunn, obviously director of Tromeo and Juliet, uh, or writer of Tromeo, or both. Um, anyway, he also did uh, Lolly Love with his uh, wife, Jenna Fisher. Or Jenna Gunn. I don't remember what her original... Anyway, her from The Office. Uh, and that's very good as well. It's kind of a mockumentary type thing about two New York hipsters who decide that they're going to give uh, lollipops to homeless people. Um, so yeah, uh, a guy who's come from the underground and made just this incredible, uh, vast, expansive cosmic galaxy. Um I just, I thought it was amazing, man. It was really great fun. The boy done good. And you've not even read any of the comics. And I've, not read any, I've, I've not read any of the comics. And the great thing about Guardians of the Galaxy compared to the other Marvel movies, and I think the Marvel movies have been particularly good at doing this anyway, but the Guardians of the Galaxy particularly, you don't need any knowledge whatsoever to go into it and, and just thoroughly enjoy it. There's no too much setup. Um, there's no great deal of fat on the film. You're talking about maybe a 10-minute setup, and then the team's together, and then it's go, go, go from there. Uh, no too many twists or turns, just pretty straightforward action and fun. So, man, I, th- I thought it was great, and I thought they really delivered on it. There's an extra half hour that got cut. Really? Yeah, but it's not like the the usual way when they go, oh, we've got deleted scenes, but they're not all complete, especially uh-huh. in this big CGI fest. As they've made like a two and a half hour long film and then cut it down to two because that was the length they were supposed to deliver. Uh-huh. So hopefully when the Blu-ray and DVD comes out, then it will just be like a director's cut automatically or at least have that available. Sure. If it does, I'll fucking buy it. Yeah, I, th- I mean, for me, I, I kind of like the way that things have, have been presented, but obviously it's, it's sometimes interesting. I mean, we, we recently rewatched uh, myself and Karen watched Planet Terror together, which uh, in the cinema was a very concise film when it was pre- presented as a double bill with uh, Death Proof. Yep. But the extended version is, you know, adds a fair bit to the, the film. I couldn't tell you exactly where the the cuts were or anything like that but i think it's always good to you know to have at least have the option to see the extended version particularly if it's the vision the director's vision that's been compromised i think where you've got things like alien and aliens where we get extended versions just because just because they want to put one out rather than because there's any great need to do so um actually the director's cut of alien is shorter Right, right. But you know, you know what I mean. Like there was, there was ones. I don't know what, what one, maybe three or four, where there was absolutely no need for them to do it. I think it was four, where the director didn't want to do it. Yeah, it's just kind of done because they were told that they needed to do it. And three was done with no input from the director. Absolutely. So it was an assembly cut, of course. But it's a better film. 
Sure. Vast improvement on the original. Sure. Um, so obviously the main performance, uh, main performances in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so what's the what's the name of the lead actor? Do you remember offhand? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Now he was excellent. I thought he was very very good. Well, check um, out more of him in Parks and Recreation. Ah, very cool. Very cool. I got um, you to try and start watching that a while ago. I seem to remember I showed you like, the first two episodes or something. Did. Yeah, you did. And you said, yeah. yeah, I'll go and watch it. And then <laughs> I did. Take it, you never did. I never did. But no, I very That's much... That's the life of Roscoe. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I'll do that, will you? And then I just sit at home crying. I gave him a recommendation and he told me to fuck off. That's that. That's that. So, very cool. Uh, very great soundtrack as well, which is uh, an 80s theme. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Boom! Yeah, I fucking I should have just stayed away from the IMDb boards for that film completely. Right, right. So Gil's referring to the fact that lots of people keep referring to it as an eighties soundtrack when none of the songs from it uh, come from the eighties. Yeah, much. they they range from between nineteen sixty five and nineteen seventy nine. There we go. <laughs> but mostly around about sixty eight to seventy two. It is a really good soundtrack, and the, one of the nice things about the soundtrack is the some of the songs that they've picked do actually kind of feature slight hints towards Peter Quill's larger backstory, like with the womanizing and everything. But mm. then, of course, the scene where he's kind of connecting with a woman, you've got fooled around and fell in love playing in the background that is pretty much telling his story. So mm. I thought... There was nice wee touches like that. Yeah, it was. I thought, I thought it was very good, and even Dave Batista, who I expected to be rotten, was uh, very good in my opinion. It's very funny. Um, I thought his stuff was great. I think. I think the th- the same thing with Thor. Um, if you can get a character like Rocket Raccoon to work, you can get the whole universe to work. Yeah. I felt. I felt that if Marvel had the chance. If Marvel were able to make a Thor film, then they would be able to do anything. And they obviously nailed Thor, and they nailed Rocket Raccoon. So I mean, really, uh, they've it's amazing what they've done. And I think that I think they've done and Groot as well. I think they've done really, really well with both those characters. And really, did, uh, encourage people if you've not the chance to see it, go and see it in the cinema. Um, CGI is a bit much, perhaps maybe maybe not necessarily to my taste, but. it's difficult to do a film like that without the expansive CGI. Well, yeah, it's it's a massive weird universe. And it Absolutely. Looks, looks pretty cool. Absolutely. It looks nice in 3D as well. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, so that's yeah, that. Duncan, you will enjoy that one. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I actually can't, I genuinely can't wait to see it because... Um, don't know. There was something that something about it kind of. I, I obviously don't follow the. Or I've never read any of the comics or anything. But the premise sold through the trailer kind of reminded me of shows like Farscape, and things like that, which I was fan. Well, kind of. I watched them quite a bit when they were on the telly. So sure. If there's anything like that involved at all, or Firefly or anything like that, then I'm, I'm pretty much in for the haul. I think. I suppose it's kind of a wee bit like that, but. He's uh he's in space from when he's a kid, right? Uh-huh. Instead of you know like Crichton, it being an accident that sends him there. Yeah. So, uh-huh. so he already knows how space works, and that uh, means right. that means that they don't have to bore you with 
like yeah. the, the half hour where he's going, oh my God, what are you? You're an alien. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he's already comfortable with the world, so they just go, yeah, fuck it. You know what a human in space looks like. Yep. This is another one. Yep. So it's kind of, it reminded me of like the last Starfighter. And oh. that's kind of side of things, but obviously it, it really doesn't need to dwell on anything. The the film is basically business, business, business. Um, but I mean, it's, I'm saying that, but I mean, it's, I just mean that the plot doesn't dwell on anything. It just kind of mm-hmm. moves along at a nice pace. Um, the use of music throughout is fantastic and really sells the film. And I think even for people who maybe have got absolutely zero interest in a superhero movie, this really isn't a superhero movie. This is kind of closer to your your Star Wars or your um, or, or films in that kind of ilk. As much mm-hmm. as it's got very colourful characters, it's I would say it's closer to the sci-fi genre than it is to your, your, your average superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Star Wars doesn't give you any exposition about the different races and stuff like that either. Mm. It just goes, yeah, this is... He's an alien as well. He lives in this world. He just looks like you and I. Yeah. Yeah, just just fucking run with it. Yeah. And, no, and nobody cares. People <laughs> just watch it and go, oh, yeah, I, I can get this. It's really just annoying when you get films like this and they go, oh, now every time he bumps into a new person, they're going to have to be partially explained. Sure. Yeah. Sure. How do they all speak the same language? Because they do. They've got translators in their necks. You don't really. You don't even need to be told that. Fuck it. <laughs> you know, if that's something that bothers you about films like this, you shouldn't be watching them because <laughs> you're wasting your time. Exactly. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend. Um, well, Duncan, have you seen anything just before we? Um, it's not it's not horror per se, but um, uh-huh. it does certainly the director falls within horror, and there are kind of horror elements to it. Um, but I managed to check out the new Jim Mickle movie, Cold in July, and that's a really fucking good movie, really, really, really good. Um, so what's, what's that about? Um, well, I can only give you kind of the start of the story because sure. basically it goes on. There's about three or four big twists in the story which change the pace completely. But um, we follow Michael C. Hall, the guy that played Dexter. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he owns he lives in a small town in America. He owns a frame shop and um, he's a quiet guy, keeps himself to himself, doesn't believe in violence, all the rest. And the movie starts right off with him waking up in bed beside his wife and I'm hearing a noise in the living room. He goes through, he sees the silhouette of a figure and he's holding his dad's gun and he gets startled and he shoots the intruder. So basically becomes kind of like the hero of the town. Did he um, put his legs on or did they leave them off? Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you should drink that rosy wine more often. Anyway, <laughs> I get to be the sensible one. Today. Oh my god, Reaver! Are you all right, Reaver? Oh my god, now he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> get to the chopper! Get to the chopper, Reaver! <laughs> Oh my god. Look yes. off some steam, Riva. <laughs> Riva. Anyway, right, accidentally shoots this guy, this intruder in his house. The police come out to investigate. Um obviously they say it's self defence. So he gets lit off with it, but the sheriff maybe in a passing comment tells him that the 
guy who they've shot, his father has just been released from prison. Um, so to maybe keep an eye out and he shows up in town and starts threatening Michael C. Hall's son, almost like an eye for an eye sort of thing. And that's all I can tell you about the story. And that's really the first 15 minutes. And then after that, it moves at lightning pace. Um, very, very quick, one hour and 40 minutes. Soundtrack is fucking amazing. It's all kind of synth style, kind of John Carpenter. Um, it stars Sam Shepard and Don Johnson, and Don Johnson's wonderful in this. Um, and so Sam Shepard, actually. And it's just a really fucking good thriller. It's kind of like a revenge thriller, but like I say, it's got... There's horror tropes in terms of slasher stuff in there, psychological thriller stuff, revenge. It's a fucking really good movie and um, kind of cements the fact that Jim Mickle is a really fucking good director that seems to be able to turn his hand to pretty much anything at the moment. And uh, yeah, so that's probably the, that's the biggest one I've seen anyway this year, uh, this year so far. Of all the films I've seen, it's probably my favourite. So yeah, check it out. Very cool. cool, very cool. Um, What's that one called again? Cold in July. It's based on a Joe R. Is it Joe R. Lansdale book? The guy that wrote Bubba Hotep. All right. Um, and apparently it's completely. Or is it John John R. Lansdale? I think it is. Um, uh-huh. And I I've heard the book is quite good, but the if it's anything like the movie, yeah, then I'll I, I'll be checking it out before the years out anyway. It's a fucking really entertaining movie. I'll very definitely cool. check that one out. Let me know what you think. See when you watch it. Come back to me. Let me know. Will do. Cool. We'll write you a book review. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the book was really good, and I liked the main man. He was really nice, but bad things happened to him. He then <laughs> did bad things to other people. In the end, sad. everything was okay. <laughs> the end. <laughs> yes. Um. I watched Gil. I watched The Sacrament. Oh yes! Awesome. Um, so, uh, have you guys both seen the sacrament? Yes, I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice. Okay, once yeah. bitten, twice shy. Is, <laughs> that should should be a thing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Duncan, what was your view in this one? Right, I, the first time I watched it, um, <laughs> I kind of struggled with it. To be honest with you, um, I felt whilst it's a competently made movie. There's no getting around that. Uh, Ty West is a really good director. In fact, he's one of my favourites. Um, I've just got this feeling that the film built up to a certain point of dread and then it never really climbed past that. And I don't know if that was just the mood I was in when I watched it, but I felt kind of deflated at the end of it. I just kind of felt like this is not what I was expecting the movie to be like. Um, and then, obviously, there was a bit of backlash on the old Facebooks and... Um, I could kind of see where a lot of people were coming from, but at the same time, it's Ty what West. The, what, what was the backlash about? Uh, the, the main backlash is that the uh, when Ty West made this movie, he said that, you know, it was a work of his own and it wasn't influenced by anything or whatever. And when you watch it, you could very easily make the case that it's based on the Jonestown Massacre, right? That's not even a case. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a natural like, conclusion. That's like that yeah. thing that's happening in South Africa. Just <laughs> that's not a case, brother. So, so that is not a case. <laughs> You're listening to Gillen Roscoe's Bedacious Legal Podcast. <laughs> the first one's free. They were charged by the minute. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, I could see there was a lot of people saying what happened in Jonestown was a lot more horrific than what happens in the movie, and I completely get that. And it's before my time, Jonestown happened before I was born, and um, obviously I didn't grow up in the country it happened in and all these sort of things. So I can completely see that point, but I felt that I'd give it a couple of months and I'd return to watch it. And I enjoyed it better the second time, if I'm honest. Um, and I don't know if that's because I knew exactly where the film was going all the way through it, um, and I could afford myself the chance to sit back and just take in a lot more of what was happening without kind of expecting things that never happened. Um, Do I think it's Ty West's best film? Not by a long shot. Uh, I think it's interesting in terms of what he was trying to do with it. I get the sneaky suspicion, because Eli Roth was a producer on it, that he may have had his finger somewhere in the direction the movie went. Um, But it's not a bad movie, and it seems to be getting a lot of hate just now, and I don't think it necessarily deserves the hate. I think if people maybe go back and check it a second time, they might be able, the ones that didn't like it anyway, might be able to appreciate a lot more of what's actually happening in the movie. If that answers your question. (laughs) Absolutely. And Gil, I mean, what was your view? We've discussed this already, but... No, I, I didn't really mind it, to be honest. When I watched it, I thought... Yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, it's it's not it's not an amazing film. It's not a horror film. There's there's obvious things that I think they could have done to to maybe take it away from being so obviously Jonestown. One mm-hmm. of them maybe being the by the time you get to the end, it's not the kind of Jim Jones character that's actually responsible for all the horrible things that he's suspected of. You know, I thought maybe if they'd made it the character that he's gone to try and find that was really the kind of mastermind behind the more sinister aspects, then that would maybe have been a bit more interesting, but the fact that it then just becomes total Jonestown, Aye. it's maybe just a little bit dull at, at the end for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as I enjoyed it, I can see why people would just go, no, this is boring, because, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's really high potential for the fact that you've seen the entire story before, but in documentary form. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, if they'd combined it with the uh, Children of Sorrow, the mm-hmm. Bill O'Burst Jr. film, if they'd taken aspects of both of these films, then they would have uh, put together a really, really good film. Sure. They're, they're both enjoyable to me, but I think the... You know, they both have things uh, that are strengths that the other one lacks. And... Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it's it's obviously well made. It's obviously pulled together uh, well in terms of the set design, in terms of the way that they've obviously built the town and they've built everything up. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the main fault with this is that it's all been done before. And whether, mm-hmm. that's, whether that's in, as you say, in documentary form... Uh, Jonestown life and the pe- life and death in the people's temple is a hundred times the film that this is. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of presenting a drama, presenting the facts, um, presenting uh, the views of people who actually survived uh, this massacre, um, it's just so much of a better movie. Um, to, for me to tie for Ty West to say that this is a, an original work. 
for me, it's it's just an absolute cop out because I, and I, I personally, when I saw like people arguing about this on Facebook, I kind of tended to come down on the side of Ty West, and I was very much of the view that well, if he wants to change the name to protect the the innocent and to kind of give give a bit of credit to that. That's cool, and I think that's fine, and that way you'll not upset anybody's memory, and you'll not do anything like that. But this is so unbelievably obviously Jonestown, mm-hmm. and they changed nothing. And like the fact, Gil, the thing that you suggested uh, on Tuesday night would have been so much, so much better if, if at the end there had been a massive twist that the father was just being. Uh, manipulated by somebody else, by an external force or an internal force. If it turned out that it was the daughter, if it sorry, the sister, if it turned out it was absolutely anything other than just being exactly Jonestown, right down to the Kool-Aid, this would have been a far better film. You take a look at uh, Life and Death in the People's Temple and you've got a film that shows the actual death of these people, shows the actual uh, suffering that these people went through. Um... And while that is clearly not for everybody and clearly something that, that a lot of people will want to avoid, there's other films that have done this. There's like there's one called something like Guyana, um, and obviously that's where they moved to was Guyana. And that mm-hmm. was kind of just like directly after. That was a kind of TV movie thing. And it done pretty much the exact same, um, except that just said it's James Jones and that's it. And this is who it is. Um, Fat Elvis. So- well, that's that. That's, that's, that's what Jim Jones looked like, even down to the glasses and everything. But I mean, he's such a fascinating character, and the 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 things that are interesting about Jonestown as a social, uh, as a social, as a as the idea of what not just religion can do, but belief systems. I mean, that's Jones Jonestown wasn't necessarily based on Christian faith. It was mainly to do with a belief in socialism and to do with a belief in things that you know, we would broadly be supportive of it's uh, to do with being against racism, being against oppression. Um, but in actual fact, nonetheless, you still had a person who was, uh, who was exploiting uh, people for their own ends, regardless of what they said that they were doing. Um, there was a religious element to it. And I just think it's such an interesting topic. I think Ty West basically goes through a shopping list of things that happened at Jonestown. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll talk about each of these things and we will show them without making any reference or any comment on any of these things. And I think you mentioned that Duncan, you said Eli Roth is involved in this. Yeah. Well, Christ, if ever there's somebody who is able to present information without making any comment on it, it's Eli Roth. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, obviously, we're moving towards he's got the Green Inferno out just now, which very much looks like it's just a, a shit cover version of Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. And yep. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but with his fingerprints on this, it makes me think, you know, there might be uh, there might be something in that that kind of argument. Yeah, I'm a wee bit wary about that film now. Because I just think that it will just be something that's going to just massively disappoint me, or yeah. just make me angry. It probably will just piss me off. The Cannibal Holocaust should have just been re-released instead of it. Well, they had um, there was a when it did the festival circuit. Um, I listened to a podcast called Killer POV, and uh-huh. it's like it's someone that writes for Fangoria, someone that worked for Fearnet, and someone that worked for some other 
journalistic kind of publication and basically they go to all these horror festivals so you occasionally get like advanced reviews of films that are maybe not going to be out for a year or whatnot and they had seen the green inferno and there was a lot of criticism about it basically saying that the characters are very much like what eli roth does in all his films you know they're like bros um you know and, and this sort of this sort of idea and the conclusion was that you know the film doesn't really serve any other purpose than to remind you that Cannibal Holocaust is a better movie, so... Absolutely, and I mean, this again was from a very much from a male perspective. Sacrament as well was very much in that kind of dude bro uh, mould. And obviously Vice magazine, I don't know whether Vice must have put some money up for this film, but if Mm -hmm. they didn't, then it was... You know, it's purely name dropping. If it, if they didn't put up some money for this film, it's an absolute disgrace that he's used that because it's just so unnecessary. It's almost like just showing off, like saying, "Well, this is how up to date we are." When in actual fact, I mean, the the original story, the actual factual, the, the actual factual information about Jonestown is a hundred times more interesting than than any of this. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, people should watch the documentary about Jonestown instead. Absolutely. So that that's the cheery section of the show out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> people should not drink Eli Ross Kool-Aid. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Um Okay. Gallery recording. Uh huh. Oh that's cool. <laughs> but, Just in case. Any better check. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry, it's recording. Cool. Well, it says it's recording. Okay, that's good news. Right, hold on a minute till I get back in the zone. Back <laughs> in the z- zone. Right. Okay, uh, what else did I watch? also watched Jack Frost. Have you all seen what, Jack the, Frost? The Michael Keaton one or the horror one? That's the horror. I asked as well. <laughs> <laughs> the horror one, of yes, course. Yes, yes, I've seen both. <laughs> yeah, so I've not seen the Michael Keaton one. I saw the... Uh, the uh, horror one, which I yeah, find yeah. highly amusing. Uh, oh, it's funny as fuck. It's very good. It's very good. So it's a guy who gets, uh, it's basically a killer who gets uh, sentenced to death and on the way to be executed, his DNA gets spliced with some snow and he becomes a giant killer snowman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's very awesome. So that was great fun. And I, I believe there's a sequel set in Hawaii. Which makes sense. Um, so yeah, that was a bit. At, that was a bit. At in terms of uh, in terms of other things, I was going to mention just something that might be of interest to you. I know we don't normally do a news section, but I was seeing that Bill Diamond, uh, who has done some work with our friend Cortland Hull, um, the Witch's Dungeon. Uh, well, Bill Diamond is trying to produce a shot for shot remake of London After Midnight, starring Ron Chaney. So I just I was quite interested to see what people thought of that. I was with you until you said Ron Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh man, that's Ron Cheney sounds like a sort of used car salesman. Doesn't he? <laughs> I think he was. I think he was. I think he was. Oh no, I shouldn't. I shouldn't really say that because I do love his like grandfather and his oh, father. Absolutely. I mean, he's 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 got the Cheney acting gene. You know, better off silent. <laughs> oh, zing! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Ron Chaney's obviously starred in uh, House of the Wolfman, 
um, which was pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, so it stars Ron Chaney, and they're going to be starting doing a Kickstarter campaign. There's going to be a color version um, and also a silent version. Um, so both uh, looking like they're going to be quite interesting. Um, so I believe it's a Kickstarter. No, sorry, an Indiegogo that's been launched for that. So we'll see what see what transpires from that. That kind of interests me that they're going to do a like a a silent version as well. Yeah, so they're doing a a full color uh, talkie version and a silent version as well. I hope they speed all the video for the silent version up to like one hundred and ten percent. Absolutely, just to give it that little bit extra realism. Very cool. Okay, um, guys. So, without further ado, shall we perhaps move on uh, to discuss Frankenstein's army? <laughs> yes, let's. Let's. Okay, and we'll be back after this. Boom. Are you looking for something to fill that deep, dirty void inside <laughs> yourself? Well, look no further than the podcast Under the Stairs. Scotland's secondary horror podcast. <laughs> Boom! We'll be back after this. Looking for something to fill that deep, horrible dirty void inside then look no further than the podcast under the stairs join your host duncan mcleish and guests as they dissect horror films old and new no film is too gory no film is too scary no film is too violent for the podcast under the stairs the podcast under the stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on itunes The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Podcasts. To avoid fainting, keep repeating to yourself, it's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss 2013's Frankenstein's Army. Um, It's directed by Richard Raphost. It was written... um, by uh, Chris W. Mitchell, and it was based on a story by Richard Raphost. The cast stars uh, Carol Roden as Victor, Joshua Sassi as Sergei, Robert Gwillem as Nokov, uh, sorry, Novikov, Alexander Mercury as Dimitri, who's our lead character, uh, Luke Newbury as Sasha, Hunping Tang as Ivan, Andre Zayats as Vasily, Mark Stevenson's as Alexei, and Christina Catalina as Eva, and others uh, who will go unmentioned. So, um... Right, here's the synopsis. During World War II, Russian troops on a reconnaissance mission receive a distress call that would lead them further into Germany. The message seems to repeat without any response to their queries, and at the same time that they begin to receive the message, they lose radio contact with their command. Although the others are dubious about the existence of other Russians in the area, Sergeant Novikov decides to investigate. Dmitry, a Soviet propagandist who is filming the mission, interviews the soldiers and documents the proceedings. There we go, that was very good. Um, So, Army of Frankensteins, guys, what did you think? (laughs) Army of Wankensteins. (laughs) Zing! (laughs) You want to know what the W in the director's name stands for? <laughs> oh, 
this this film was recommended to us by Duncan. We should remember. Right, right. Oh, listen, right. So you guys have just finished, and can I just say right now, you guys just finished an absolutely phenomenal retrospective looking at the Universal Classics as shown on the the special Blu-ray box set, right? So you went through all that, and then Gil said to me. You need to check out this movie. Where and you know, and I was like, "Oh, what's it about?" And he's like, "That's found footage werewolf." And I was like, "Oh, the Wolfman." Awesome. I never said found footage. It's not. You never did. Sorry, right? But um, I did some research. Found footage werewolf, and I was like, "That's you know, that right?" Found footage werewolf movie, Wolfman. I was like, "Well, it'd be really cool if you were doing a show with that to do some more kind of found footage films, which have are loosely based on Universal classics." And I saw this movie when it came out, and it's fucking horrible. Um. But I, I've kind of got this belief just now that you need to take the good with the bad. So, <laughs> and I thought if any, if there was ever a podcast designed to really dissect this movie, it's got on Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. If there's anywhere that you want to hear talking about a bad film. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the people with no patience and Tourette's. <laughs> This yeah. is what's stealthy going, oh, what are we like? What are we like? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not go down that route. Patting herself on the back. Hey, <laughs> good job, big guy. Oh, well uh, done to you too. Oh. Yeah, oh, God. Right, <laughs> so, Frankenstein's army. Um, found footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's mostly taken from the vantage point of, is it Dimitri, the lead character? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, this film starts off, obviously, with the found footage element. And I would say that for the first maybe 10 minutes, it's actually quite hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same. Um, the accents aren't the best. Yeah, I actually watched it with the subtitles on, even though it's... Yeah. Uh-huh. I, t- I t- kind of watched this and then watch it again and then watch it again because I kept kind of dropping out. So we're basically following a battalion of Russian soldiers as they uh, respond to this distress call from, is it 313 Tiger Bear? what is it, Tiger Claw Battalion, that they believe to be have been kidnapped uh, by the Germans. Um, so they're following the coordinates to this particular location. Um, and as things progress, uh, we start to discover increasingly uh, messed up experiments have been taking place uh, involving, uh, involving human uh, involving human subjects, um. So, the first th- what's the first thing we come across is that a guy with a, a saw for an arm or something like that, and there's a guy with a kind of snapping face, like mm-hmm. a kind of yeah uh, that kind of thing. Um. So I mean, it's I think the, the 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 main thing that makes this film in any way interesting, and probably the thing that people will take away from the film, is the you know the set design. Set design's good, and I mean, there's there's no denying that. But I think the the main thing is obviously the the kind of costume design um, and the, the the characters that have been designed. It's very much in the style of a game like uh, perhaps Bioshock or mm-hmm. um, Resident Evil or um, Silent Hill. So the characters that are presented are kind of steampunk uh, versions of. Kind of Hellraiser characters, almost that kind of thing. Um, they are the they are the shites. <laughs> oh, so or, that's or the Cenoblites. I think I think the the 
the thing that, that obviously is worth noting is that the director has worked for years as a conceptual artist on films. So this is his de- directorial debut. This is the film that he's uh, come out with. And I think it's quite clear that this is uh, more just an opportunity to show his skill as a as a set designer more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um it's historial, basically. Yeah, I mean, how? Do, what do you think of that? What's what's your view from that side? Oh, I I thought it was it was really nice to see these these sorts of characters at first, and you think, oh, stuff's going to get bloody, and then it just doesn't. You know, there's there's less than ten of the guys in this group, and they have encounter after encounter, and they get picked off one by one by these things. And it's just so woefully bad. It ends up being like you're watching somebody play a computer game because the cameraman keeps like having these monsters swinging these giant saws and stuff like that at him, like at close range. And at no point does the cameraman get injured. And you just think, oh, he's got a health pack. That's it. It just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The film so just that... became really boring. At yeah, one point, absolutely. I was thinking, I'm not holding the controller. <laughs> It's oh, I I had to watch this film one and a half times because the first time I was watching it, I fell asleep, and I didn't fall asleep because I was really tired. I just fell asleep because it was just really fucking boring. <laughs> so, about you, Duncan? What was your view? Um, well, yeah, I revisited this. I, I kind of I, when recommending it, I didn't actually think that I would. I didn't think you would take it on board, so I didn't think I would have to watch it again. Um, yeah, I. I Completely see where you're coming from. This to me does feel like a vehicle, almost like a like a, a sample tape of what this guy can do. Um, sure. Almost as if he's he's putting this, which is not uncommon to be honest. Now a lot of kind of, especially on the lower budget end of horror movies, indie horror movies are basically you know directors kind of putting ideas out there in the hope that someone in a studio picks it up and says, you know, this guy's really good. Did you see what he did with this and pick him up? So I could kind of see it from that point of view. It is incredibly boring. I mean, it's to me, there's there's a whole maybe half an hour of this movie that feels like just the most boring ghost ride ever. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what it feels like. We're turning a corner. corner. Oh, boo. We're turning another corner. Oh, boo. And it's the, the impact's lost by the fact that... I never actually feel like the cameraman's in any peril, even though he's surrounded by, you know, cutting implements and creatures with snapping faces and chainsaw arms and things like this. It never actually feels like he's in any peril. So when we finally come to the meeting of the Doctor with this most convoluted nonsense idea of his ultimate goal is to splice together half a communist brain and half a, you know, half a fascist brain together in the hopes of creating the perfect harmony between the two. I was just like, this film has not done enough to merit this sort of kind of statement of any sort. I just don't understand why it's there. Just to experiment on the people in front of the camera. I'm quite happy with you. You, do, you know, you don't need to explain what you're doing. I don't feel we need an explanation. This movie hasn't given enough to really merit that explanation. Um, sure. I just think... And that's not to say there aren't some cool sequences in it. I think that the guy definitely has quite an interesting visual eye for for certain things. And like you were saying, some of the some of the designs are really cool. Um, 
this movie should be really interesting. It should be really exciting, and it should be really fast paced. And it's none really. Um, I feel it drags. And to be honest, by the time it got to the end, I just kind of felt like, oh, well, that was a waste. Um, and it's a shame because some of the concepts, I mean, as kind of the Nazi horror thing goes, um, and there's a lot of them out there, uh, the premise of this one actually sounds quite interesting and a wee bit different. It just, there's not enough going on in terms of story here to tie it all together. I mean, Gil's synopsis, when you hear that, you're like, that sounds like a quite an interesting movie. And that synopsis gives this movie far too much credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. It's... I think that's right. I think I, I, th- I think that's that, is that it's an interesting enough concept and the execution is acceptable. Um, but in actual fact, there's nothing to recommend about the film. Um, as much as you know, as as much as you could enjoy the uh, the various aspects of the you know character design and the the artwork that's been put forward. Um, in terms of anything worth recommending, this this really has got very little. I mean, we've got you know a whole range of mad characters like a guy with a, like a drill for a nose or anything that you can imagine that's that just sounds a bit mad and a bit creepy. Um, they've they've kind of done that and it's. It's not crass. It's just it's it's not particularly interesting and not particularly worth picking up. If you've played any of those games like Dead Space or Resident Evil or uh, Bioshock or whatever one that might be, you've already seen things that are far more interesting and far more shocking and far more exciting than than anything that's presented here. Yeah, as Duncan says, it seems like a really really bad ghost train, and sure. it gets to the point where. You- See, at least if they had gone to the the point of saying this is all filmed in one shot, mm-hmm. and then they'd done it like that, so the then maybe you could accept the failings of one of the the zombots being so close that you think, oh, surely that must have hit him. You could put that down to the fact that it's all done in one shot, so they couldn't really go back and retake that. They couldn't. They couldn't reduce the obvious peril, but no, they can't. This just comes across like one of those haunted house things that you get in America now, where mm-hmm. it is just you walk through this building and things will happen, but at no point will you actually be in any real peril, but it'll be fun. And the fact that this is like one step removed by being through a camera lens, it's not fun because... It looks like it's designed to have been scary for the person that is right there. At no point do you even really like any of the characters. If anything, you've got characters that are just almost likable because they're not as dickish as that one guy. I think Sergei, possibly, uh-huh. who has the least military haircut in any military <laughs> film ever. <laughs> he looks like a fucking member of Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> a wee Russian guy running about in 1942 with what appears to be a fucking HD colour camera with a fucking Instagram filter permanently on it. Okay. Hi. <laughs> I mean, you know, Gil, you and I, we, we often have our disagreements about these kind of things, about presentation and so on, and the importance of presentation. Um, but, I mean, I think they could have probably went to a bit more uh, effort with regard to trying to make the thing look a bit dirtier. If they're going to make it a found footage movie, why not make it partially found footage using, 
you know, using uh, technology from the time for small sections of the thing to to increase the uh, to to make it pretty scary at certain points. But I think uh, it's clearly an HD camera that they're utilising. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, as much as I I tend to, you know, tend to be more forgiven with these things, it just it kind of just undermines the whole process and everything about this film mm. um, and for me it was it was kind of unforgivable from that side that they would have that it just it just seemed pointless to to make this a found footage film other than for other than for laziness more than anything to be honest yeah. yep and the cameraman's meant to be a propagandist so if they sure. if they had done what you suggest then they could have at least had some interesting bits where we are aware of what's going on, but sure. there's things about him having to try and present it like they're not as mm-hmm. immediately terrifying or just have bits where you you see them having discussions about how things should be made to look. Because mm-hmm. they've got that whole bit where they discover a convent full of massacred nuns uh-huh. who have all been burned on a pile, and you think... Why did that happen? And it's never explained beyond the idea of wouldn't it be shocking to have some nuns in a pile who have all been set on fire? But you mm. describe that and you say that to me and I'm thinking, wow, that sounds like a really impactful sequence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the thing. All, all, the, all the scenes in this movie, if they were storyboarded out and the, you know, the director or the writer sat down and took you through scene by scene of this movie... It would sound like a really entertaining, really fast-paced, scary, bloody horror movie. It really would. But when it's transferred to the screen, it just... It's like you say, it's too glossy for a start. I mean, that I remember watching it the first time round, and as soon as we we go behind the camera, I was like, this... When's this movie set? Is this like an alternative, you know... Is it, I mean, they could have got away with that. They could have done like a this is an, an alternative future where the Nazis had taken over most sure. of Europe and set it later on, and then done all that. You know, you can go by that. It's unforgivable to have an HD camera during World War Two, and it's clearly HD, and they've had to do that. And um, it just these small, it's like small things like that. If you if you're noticing that the camera is in HD, then you're not really paying attention to the film. Yep. If you're not paying attention to the film, it means because the film's not really doing anything for you. And that's the crime. That's the ultimate crime of this movie is there is a lot of really cool visual substance um, in terms of the effects uh, and whatnot. There's just no message or a proper story behind it to back it up, to give it the clout that the film needs to entertain you. Sure. And I mean, the the thing is as well, I mean, obviously the the Second World War had its share of actual real horrors that are Mm -hmm. far worse than anything than this. And the there are ways that 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 stuff could have been presented i mean we saw you know basically ovens full of uh, people in this film although it's obviously left i mean the metaphor is quite clear to what they're referring and obviously the the nuns in a pile you could quite easily i mean you know these these things happened so uh i think it's important to kind of draw on that and to also respect uh, the things that actually did happen during that conflict, and just to say, well, you know, bad things really did happen. And as much as it's funny to have Nazi zombies and whatever, uh, there's a lot of 
fucking real bad shit that actually did happen that you could you could draw and and kind of uh, utilize to show the the true horror of uh, what what happened during those years. Yeah, but uh, paying attention to the plot of this film isn't something that this film seems to want you to do. You're right. To the point where you don't actually end up picking holes in the plot because mm-hmm. you've already sat there going, "Oh, that uh, that." There's a warning sign that they actually put up on the on the goofs section of IMDb. I just had a wee look at that, and one of them is the what one of the signs isn't even grammatically correct in any way. And you you think, well, I would at least have just done that, mm-hmm. you know, because the the sets and everything they look all right, but at the end of the day, it looks like the sort you you could imagine going there and having a really fun time playing laser tag with these things walking out the door. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you would know that it's just a bit of fun. And all the way through this film, you just think, yeah, this is just a bit of fun. Because so few people die. Maybe they, mm-hmm. they did just have too small a cast for the idea that this place is meant to be terrifying and that everybody would be killed. Because how can these creatures have killed an entire convent full of nuns and this uh, like entire Nazi unit when they're finding it really difficult to round up these ten men who quite frequently stand in the same fucking room talk, <laughs> talking loudly about what they might or might not do and how fucking scared they are. Yeah, there's there's even a scene where, like, four of these things burst into the room that they're hiding in. I think one man gets killed. And there's there's bombs going off. There's just all these monsters kicking about that are meant to be terrifying and just so fucking deadly. But no, like one person dies. It's just it is just a bunch of people showing off what effects they could do without really paying much attention to what they were putting it into. It's it's just really, really fucking dull. Mm-hmm. Okay, so on that note, guys, um, it might be worth moving on uh, to discuss where. So, um... Have a short break there, um, and we'll be back after this. Wait, do another advert. <laughs> no, I can't do it. What, give, me a, give me a suggestion then. Uh, oh, go on, do Devour. <laughs> do the whole thing. I like <laughs> scary, scary movies. Oh my god. <laughs> This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. (laughs) Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler's list of desserts. It's it's a, a pure good. I love the idea of up-and-coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre. I really, really like that idea. And that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned, is making a film that's just average. Well, that doesn't really inspire any kind of discussion, whether it's, you know, to rip it apart or or praise it. Then you should spend time with David and me. And Bo. As we discuss horror films from old classics. Deep Red. Empire of the Ants. Lisa and the Devil. The Baby. The Toxic Avengers. The New Favorite. 
Office, Absentia, Cabin in the Woods, The Loved Ones, Shadow of Death, VHS, The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. Okay, guys, we're back to discuss where. Uh, where is from 2013. It was directed by William Brent Bell. Uh, written by William Brent Bell and Matthew Peterson. That stars AJ Cook, Brian Scott O'Connor, Simon Quarterman, Sebastian Rocha, uh, Vic Sehe, and with music by Brett Detar. Um, synopsis Defense attorney Kate is called to defend the creepy yet gentle Talan after he is charged with the murders of a vacationing family. Things take a turn for the worse when Talon escapes from his imprisonment and runs loose through the city of Paris. Okay, um, so there are going to be spoilers uh, for this movie. Um, so we, we will we'll discuss the plot of the film um, and take it from there. So, uh, Gil, it was you that recommended this film. Um, what did you think of it? What was your view? Now, you had some very... Uh, hyperbolic opinions about this. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, they were pretty pretty out there. How? Oh. I'm a bit... The, the best, the best horror I... film of the last decade was your... Because uh, your... <laughs> it is. It actually is one of the, the, the most enjoyable and... Fair enough. Maybe it's not. So this this has went from being the best horror film of the last decade to being one of the best. Yeah. Films. Okay. Ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I think it is. It is one of the the most enjoyable horror films that I've seen in a very long time, mm-hmm. and I I like the approach of it as well. And you know, fair enough. It's it's not particularly scary. Mm-hmm. Unless uh, certain things will make you jump, but yeah, I don't think that it overuses too many tropes or anything, and I I think that it's a film that does throw in a couple of nice surprises that aren't really like stupid plot twists. They uh-huh. they do kind of flow naturally with the plot, and it's it's a little bit like reading a a comic book. Mm-hmm. The way that it's all just kind of laid out and staged, I I really enjoy that. This is this is definitely a film that has like a a first, second, and third act. Even though the first act is really the longest, but mm-hmm. it it sets everything up quite nicely. Also, it leaves some things a little bit mysterious. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll tell you what what I think was mysterious and why later on sure so i mean the title title itself is where um w-e-r um now do you think that's obviously that's significant i would imagine in the sense that obviously it sounds like werewolf um but it's also german for who yep um do you think that's significant i think it's very significant especially sure. especially by the time you reach the end of the film well, absolutely absolutely sure so duncan what was your view on this one um i would agree with gil in that it's a it's a thoroughly entertaining movie um where i would kind of disagree um is that i 
there's a couple of things that pull this movie down for me, and it's not necessarily the fault of the movie. Um, one is that... Right, so we'll just go ahead. It is, a, it is a found footage movie, right? So, I mean, there is a particular budget that's set to this movie, and it shows in places, um, and that kind of that kind of detracts from my overall enjoyment, although it probably shouldn't. Um, this isn't really a found footage movie. It isn't, but... I'd say the aspects of found footage that they employ yeah. are, are done quite nicely and do actually help the film because they can help to to cover up some of the the things that they couldn't necessarily afford to do. Yes, Cause, yeah. Because really the only found footage that they have is at the very start of the film, it shows you some footage that was found. Yes, of the... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And from from there, you're, you're basically following um, someone documenting... Uh, well, basically, you're following the case yeah. of of this guy that's been convicted, rightly or wrongly, for what looks like an animal attack on well, what's been argued as an animal attack on a, a family who were camping, right? Um, and whilst I can get I can get on board with that, and I think that some of the acting is done really well, like the guy that actually plays the suspect, I think is has a he does kind of straddle that line between at times looking incredibly menacing just because he's an imposing figure on screen but at the same time there is a kind of sadness, a gentleness and kindness about the character which is kind of juxtaposed in there which I really like as well Um, I think I would agree with Gil that once this movie starts going um, which you could argue yeah that maybe the first act goes on a bit too long but that even though if we're not saying it's necessarily fully found footage, that's a trope that's used in found footage movies. Um, the Once it gets kicking into gear, it's, it's thoroughly entertaining. I would say that none of this surprised me watching it, but I don't think it needs to. Um, like, I, I kind of got a grasp of what was going to happen to what character quite comfortably into the movie, not like mega before it, but, you know, I kind of knew where it was going. Um, I foolishly watched this movie about a month and a half after seeing uh, a film called uh, Afflicted, which is a found footage movie, um, and it's a vampire movie, mm-hmm. and that one is incredibly crisp shot, um, it's very fast-paced, and I think, had I not seen that movie, I probably enjoyed Where More, but unfortunately, even though they're, they're dealing with different subjects, they're kind of under the same banner for me, and I think one does it better than the other. I think Where's incredibly enjoyable, though. I, like, when the movie finished, I did kind of feel like, you know, I could shove that on again and watch it back to back, and it wouldn't really, you know, I, it doesn't feel its length, if you know what I mean, even though the first act is a bit... It's not plod, It's not plodding, it's trying to set the story. Um, and it's trying to give you background you know, as to the, the, the medical condition that the 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 suspect has, um, to give you a bit of information about the, the woman that's basically trying to campaign on his behalf to set him free. Um and this this thing, this mystery that seems to be happening in the town with certain officials um that are looking to acquire the land which he owns. Right. So there's there's a lot going on in this movie and I, I quite like that. I just think that whilst it is very, very entertaining, I think maybe from what Gil had said, I'd hyped it up myself too much. I was like that because Gil had said, you know, like I'd done a list for another show of your top 
20 movies um, since 2000 to 2014, and um, Gil had this really high, and it was surrounded by some of like films that I consider like The Descent and things like that. Wreck, surrounded by films that you know I completely love and adore. Um, so I was maybe expecting it to be on that level. Uh, I don't necessarily think it is, but it is thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, I think I had it third. I think I had it behind Wreck. Yeah, I can't remember what the what was second, but uh, yeah, it was right up there. But I did also put Willow Creek on that for a laugh, but nobody got it. <laughs> well, it wasn't fair. I'd I'd kind of run out of movies, and there was a couple that there was a couple that were sitting there, and I thought, oh, I don't know which one to put on. I just thought, fuck it, stick on Willow Creek. I was hoping that a big argument would erupt about whether or not Willow Creek was even just a, a good advert but no it just, just it never happened and i just didn't have the heart to go back and change it <laughs> i don't i don't mind i don't mind willow creek but i have seen it all before if you know what i mean yeah um and that's i mean i think that's basically what you guys said as well is that it's all been done before um and other movies so there's nothing remarkable or surprising about it what i quite liked about this movie is that at least they were trying to do something different they're trying to add the supernatural element into it, which I appreciate as as a fan of that sort of stuff. Um, to see a movie trying to kind of try to capture and put that in there, but not forcing it in there because there is this whole mystery going on in the story, which which kind of keeps the story going. It propels it forward, so it's not like um, we need you know an hour of backstory on who these characters are and she used to go up with him and now they're not speaking to each other and it's all awkward and but they're going to work together for the sake of this and all the rest. Whilst you know whilst those elements are happening in the film, you are constantly directed back to the fact that this guy is has been arrested for a crime that is, in all intents and purposes, circumstantial. Um, and basically the town they're using it as a vehicle to basically get them in the picture to get the land, which is very valuable. So um, that's 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 what I think is the credit to this movie, is that, um, you know, it has a compelling story, uh, which, which runs right throughout. I'm quite interested to hear Gil's theories on the... Uh, at the end of it... Um, I just think it's I just think it's a really enjoyable movie. I just it's a kind of the same way. I, I could see maybe putting it beside Wreck when I watched when Wreck finished. Wreck scared the shit out of me. But when Wreck finished and that kind of Spanish punk song kicked in, I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's watch it again." You know, I just felt like totally um, energized. And this movie has the same feeling at the end when it finishes. I was like, "Right, cool. I could watch that again." I just don't necessarily think it lived up to what I expected it to live up to, and that's more a fault with myself than the film. Well, it was more a fault with me. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to say that, Gil. I didn't want to say that. My fault. Well, what, what about you, Roscoe? What's your thoughts on this one? I have to say, guys, I was... Um... <sighs> I wasn't head over heels for it. Um, I think... I possibly went into it with very, very high expectations. Uh, based on based on, <laughs> Yeah, no, based on what you'd said, Gal, and I think I think I can understand why you would put why you'd put those things across. I think the for me the, the things that really made this film work and that made this film very good uh is a stellar cast, a really good and very strong cast, um, from the top to bottom. Um 
it felt like a major motion picture in terms of the way that uh, the 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 main kind of uh, defense team worked together and the way that they interacted with each other. I felt the main character was excellent. Um, is it Talon? Is very good and very imposing in terms of the way that he looked. The special effects were, uh, in my opinion, excellent. I thought they were really good. Of uh, you know, those, the, you could you could criticize some of them, but I think that for the most part they looked excellent. Um, particularly the 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 eye gouging uh, elements in the film. There's a sec- there's a couple of sections where people's um, jaws are ripped off uh, and and different things like that. And then there's a couple of wee silly bits where, for example, there's a, a very obvious dummy where you can see a silly dummy hand like Rod Hull. Um, but aside from that, I mean, it's the, the effects were very, very well done and very well executed. In terms of how the film actually works as a film, um, I'm not 100% convinced by it. I'm not 100% convinced that it's um that it's gonna be a classic or anything like that or that it's gonna be considered to be such at any point in the future. Um but I think sometimes you just got to say, well, this was a above average movie. It did a lot of things very, very well. Um I'm certainly not uh, dancing in the street about it. I'm certainly not gonna be uh, going and, and shouting about it to everyone, but I thought it did some really cool stuff, some really interesting stuff and it seemed to be um, the, there was like I think one of the, the things that was particularly good about it was the fact that they utilised um, quite a lot of ambiguity throughout the film um, it wasn't clear a lot of the time what exactly was going on um, and I, I mean I have to admit that I was kind of at certain points convinced that I'd maybe missed something but on second viewing it just seems like things, certain things have been left deliberately mysterious and going by what you've said Duncan you you would tend to agree with that yeah yeah um and I think the things he did with that were were very good um as I say I don't I don't know exactly what they were trying to say and I mean obviously the 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 seeds of mystery were sown at the beginning and the 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 key element here is that there is perhaps a conspiracy that's going on to grab land uh, from this family because it's valuable. Is it because uh, the coal reserves underneath it or something like that? Or it's, what is it? It's something. Anyway, whatever it is, it's something to do with the land being incredibly valuable and that there might be something more to this than, than meets the eye. Um, nevertheless, obviously the guy does have, the guy, the guy does have super, supernatural powers. What? <gasps> <laughs> well, Oh, that's, was that too, that's, was that too spoilerific? That's us started the spoiler section of the show, folks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, just carry on. I, I think people will still enjoy uh-huh. this film, even if they they kind of know that. I uh-huh. think I think we wouldn't be talking about it unless there was something to it. Mm-hmm. I think when you start watching it, you're hoping that that's the case. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we won't tell you how you find out that's the case, because. That is awesome. <laughs> it really is. I, I just the sudden pace change in this film is mm-hmm. what kind of really sold it to me. Sure. So yeah, from from that from that moment on, it has a very fast trajectory right towards the end. Yeah. Um, 
but it doesn't feel like it's rushed at the same time, which once again, the, the you know that happens, but there's still there's still plenty going on in terms of the story. Um and you know, more starts to come out about the story. So it doesn't feel like like maybe it does like I was saying, it emulates some some found footage tropes. And the, the problem with those films are they tend to you know, give you a lot of a lot of rudimentary stuff and then a bang in the last ten minutes. This sure. movie doesn't do that. This movie kind of shies away from that, um, and that's to its credit, I think, as one of the things that's is more of its strength is that once that kicks off, it is fun. It was fun to me anyway. Um, there's some, there's quite a few fight sequences in this that I was watching, and you know, and inside, you know, uh, teenage Duncan was loving this. He was like, "Fucking rip his head off!" Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know. Um, and, you know, and all that starts kicking off, and the movie completely changes into something else, um, which is a lot more fun. Um, I can I can completely see where you're coming from, Roscoe. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I would like I would like to say, yeah, Gil's the one that, that hyped this up for me. Maybe you put a high on your list, and that made me think it was something that's not. But at the same time, I kind of try my hardest when I go into a film to keep a level head about it. Absolutely. Um, and that's that's what I always, regardless what anyone says, that's what I try and go into watch a film. And I think even with the the level head I had, I, I would still say it's an enjoyable movie. I just don't think it's a spectacular movie. Um, but that's just my opinion. There are plenty of people that have been posting on my Facebook page since Gil mentioned it that I've come back to say it's like their favourite horror movie this year. So I mean, th- there is traction for it, and there are people that that completely get on board with how you felt about it, Gil. I, I'm just not fully there. Well, I think also it's it's kind of important to remember this is a an independent film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and so. it's a very very good independent film as well. Definitely. And I think this, I think that's is worth worth commenting. Um, I think the, it the, does stand up against a lot of big budget films. I mean, let's face it, you you end up putting this up against stuff like Paranormal Activity, and you know that's. That's a massive budget film that's still trying to pretend that it's independent. This is an independent film that looks no, like it's got a bigger budget. No, 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 no. Um, again, I would, uh, I'm not a fan of Paranormal Activity, but they've always maintained a relatively small budget. And it's just uh, that they've got a massive advertising budget. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would include advertising budget with budget, though. I think okay, that's, okay. You know, like the... But, what was it? Uh, the budget for uh, Women in Black when it came out was something like two and a half times the actual budget of the film. Uh huh. I'd I'd say that you when it comes to that sort of level, you have to combine the two and say that. I think the, where the we where we yeah, but where we are looking at a thing objectively and saying, well, which is better? I think really we we should really be looking purely at the at the budget of the film. Uh, if we're looking at the budget at all, it should be just purely the budget of the film. Um, excluding advertising, but that's that's neither here nor there. Yeah, well, um, this this is a film that's really struggling what you, to what get. What you can do with it? This is a film that is really struggling to get distribution as well. Though. Sure, sure. I mean, it, this when you watch this film, you wouldn't really believe that this was released in like November last year, and mm-hmm. and still hasn't really made any impact at all on the international market. Sure, and, and isn't even getting a DVD release in the states until September. Well, yeah. that's it. That's it. I mean, if you compare this to fucking Willow Creek or Frankenstein's Army, and you say, "Well, these are films that have got major distribution through Dark Sky Films," 
mm-hmm. then you say, well, what the fuck is wrong that this film hasn't? Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's if if you're looking at it from that perspective, then absolutely that's a disgrace, and it really truly is a disgrace that that isn't um, that that isn't the case. And I think. Gil, you're, you're right to bring it up as an issue, to be honest, man, because when you look at it from that perspective, the kind of shit that's being put out um, compared to compared to a film like this that, okay, it isn't perfect, but it's got a lot of very, very strong and, and uh, you know, very positive features. It's uh, important to at least note that. There's, yeah. also, there's also the aspect as well, which unfortunately... I'm not going to go into too much of because I'm guilty of this, but um, the fact that this movie has been released in some territories but not other territories mm-hmm. has meant that it is available through torrent sites, that when sure. it finally gets released in Europe or it gets released in America, there's going to be a lot of people that have already seen this movie that are not going to go out and buy it on a VOD or buy it on a DVD or a Blu-ray or, or whatever sure. format it's released in, which then impacts what... It impacts the film because then people look at it and say, well, it didn't exactly do much business. But there's a lot of people enjoying this movie. They're just seeing it through mediums which don't necessarily represent a tally on a, a sheet somewhere which shows how many people have actually saw, uh, saw the movie and enjoyed it, which is... It, it still blows my mind in this day and age that movies can be released in some countries a year before other... With, with the technology that's around just now can be released in a country a year before anywhere else. That, it, it makes no sense at all. And um, I, d- I don't necessarily think when this movie does get released on a wider scale that, you know, it's necessarily going to get the the respect it deserves. Like I say, I don't think it's an amazing movie, but if we're taking, you know, budget into consideration and what they managed to do with that, and just the fact that they're trying something a bit different, which, I, you know, so I'm saying that this movie has certain elements in it which are, are far more generous um, in terms of like the mystery story that you generally wouldn't see in a movie like this. Um, and I think that's a credit to it. It's a credit to the writers and filmmaker. Um, but I, I just feel it's one of these unfortunate scenarios. Like when Gil had mentioned it, I was like, oh, I'll see if I can find it. Um, couldn't find it anywhere. And I was like, this just seems a bit strange. And now it's, it, is, it is getting mentioned online and there is a release date for it, but it's like we are saying it's in the States. Um, no mention of when it's getting released in Europe. The film's fucking, you know, it's based in Europe. Um, you know, you, it's it's just really really strange to me. And I, unfortunately, I think it's going to be one of these things that I don't think the filmmakers going to have difficulty getting another job uh, because this will be something they can use to to relatively good effect to get you know to get to get more work. I just don't necessarily think that whoever puts this movie out expecting it to do a particular amount of business is going to get that because of the online thing. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think the if he made another film that was a direct sequel to this but wasn't called Where To, mm-hmm. just based on this film, then it would get decent distribution and people wouldn't even have a clue that there was a film that came before it. Yeah. Which is kind of sad, really. But we should we should get spoilerific. I think we should we should get really spoilerific for ages. And uh, <laughs> but before we get really spoilerific, one thing that I did quite enjoy about this film when I was looking up the the cast is that Brian Scott O'Connor, who plays Tal and Gwinnick, is actually the bass player from Eagles of Death Metal. 
<laughs> Every week I try and fit a lie into the podcast. <laughs> that is not a lie. Like, Brian Scott O'Connor is like six foot four and he's the bass player for Eagles of Death Metal, which uh, of course features Josh Hom. Mm-hmm. If if you're listening in America, or Joshua Hwami, if you're <laughs> in Europe, because he is such a fucking idiot that he changes his name based on where he is, because he thinks anybody gives a fuck about that. He's he's got a different name in that band as well. Is he Doctor Von Satan or something like that? I think he's it's what he's or Carlo Von Satan or something is his his name in Eagles of Death Metal. I don't mind people using pseudonyms <laughs> for certain projects. <laughs> the thing is, I think they cast that perfectly. I think that he plays that part. Like, like I said, there is there is a he's an imposing guy, right on screen. Especially he towers above everyone else. Um, so when we first see him, um, you could very well believe that you know. There is something not quite right with this guy, and maybe he is a killer. Um, but the interactions he has with his defense attorney, um, that to me is where you know the there's a there's a gentle side to him. I think it's portrayed really well on the screen. Um, I don't think for one second, and I'm just putting that. Out, I don't think for one second it fooled me into thinking like Gil says when you sit down to watch this film. As soon as you see him, you like I want him to be a werewolf. Um, and, you know, that just happens to turn out that way. Um, which is much to my happiness, because if he hadn't have been and someone else had have been, I might not have enjoyed the film as much. So yeah. um, I think he's perfectly cast for this. Um, once again, it's not a massive stretch for him as an actor. Uh, he just has the physique um, to carry this off. I, I think that's I think that in itself is pretty cool. Um that you know they, they pick someone like that to get in. I don't is he is he European or is he American or do do we know? Uh I'm pretty sure he's American. I'm pretty sure when I looked it up he was he is just American. Yeah. But uh yeah his uh his character I I just really enjoyed and the way that they put little things in that they wouldn't quite explain. Mm-hmm. That uh the bit where he touches her ring. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was I was thinking that that would, that would probably be one of the 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 bits that that people would think. Well, what was all that about, and why did that happen? Yeah. Now, what I'm thinking is that the ring that she's got around her neck is silver, uh-huh. and that because he doesn't want to be exposed for what he is. He sees the opportunity to have some silver on him because maybe that would, as silver is supposedly a bad thing for werewolves, that maybe it would suppress his uh, changing whilst he's being held in custody. Because he gives her the ring. Because he he gives her the ring back. Yeah. Just before he's taken for being given this examination. So I, I think that he'd taken the ring for that reason. It wasn't it wasn't for anything else. But I might be completely right. wrong. I don't know. What what do you guys think? Roscoe? Oh, that's a very interesting point, man. I think you're I think you're spot on, to be honest. I think there's a lot of kind of very interesting stuff that's happening there. Um I mean the question is obviously whether it's uh whether it's Talon that's taking that or whether uh 
uh, what's the other character, the character that shaves his head, whether he's known that that was going to be the case from the start or what exactly has been happening there, I don't know. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of kind of interest and stuff that, that's going on there and a lot of kind of questions. But I think it, when he's lurching towards her, that could be a prime opportunity for, for him to, to get that. It's, yep. uh, yeah, an interesting one. An interesting that's, one. that's Gavin. Mm, Gavin, yeah, absolutely. I, I think is actually, even though he's he doesn't appear to be a major character from the start of this film, I, I think the Simon Quarterman mm-hmm. played the part just really, really well. And as Duncan was saying earlier on, the whole thing about him and Claire having previously been a couple. That could have that could have been so fucking clumsy, but they managed to deal with it in like thirty seconds. Because you've got mm-hmm. you've basically got Eric turns around and says, "Yeah, I don't care about any of that shit. You're here to help us with this job," and here, here it is. You know, I, I thought it was really nicely done, where it gives you this little bit of background information that you think, "Well, this doesn't really go anywhere." But then at the end, because Talon has bitten Gavin. Which he, I, I was thinking maybe he does because he would know that then Gavin would be overtaken by the impulses and that something would happen similar to had happened to the people at the the campsite whilst Talon is in prison, mm-hmm. and then people would automatically go, well, it must have been an animal attack, so we should let this guy go. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I really like the the Gavin character because. At the end, when he comes back to defend Kate, even though he's still kind of overtaken by animal urges, you're thinking, well, how much of it is Gavin and how much of it is, you know, this this kind of... He's got this memory in his subconscious and therefore feels the need to protect her. Do you think that's all that was? What, that he just felt the need to protect her? Or mm-hmm. that he was fully aware? I, I think there's... There's a... A thing that that scene towards the end kind of shows that that maybe they they are more aware at certain times than they are at others, and sometimes the urge becomes too much and they go full mental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what you think, but I really liked that fight. I thought that film leading up, to, I thought it was basically going to lead up to something like the end of American Werewolf in London at one point, mm-hmm. where it would be the even though he's he's horribly misunderstood and he's been cornered and she's going to try and say, no, don't shoot him because, well, this isn't him. But then all of a sudden, you know, Gavin turns up. There's a big, massive fucking fight that's actually pretty well shot as well. And the music is good. I did look up the guy that did the music and uh, he was in the Juliana theory as well. <laughs> apparently during one of their gigs he was to do a bit where he was like to scream for about a minute mm-hmm. and they were doing it on stage and halfway through it he passed out and fell off the stage and whilst he was lying on the stage still screaming a monitor fell on his head my goodness <laughs> and I was just thinking that that's commitment absolutely so guys, um, we'll have a short break there, I think, and we'll move on to close out the show. Um, so we'll have a break and be back after this. Howdy, folks. 
like blood, violence, freaks of nature. You come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I am your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Okay, guys, and we're back. Uh, Mr. Duncan McLeish joining us still from the podcast Under the Stairs. Um, so that was Where and Frankenstein's Army. Um, we were discussing prior to the show that Frankenstein's army, bizarrely enough, has its own mockbuster army of Frankensteins, which involves Frankensteins being ripped through the fabric of space and time into uh, from a variety of alternate dimensions um, to form an army to fight against the, I don't know, Civil War or something. Yeah. Uh, aye, so that's... <laughs> that does that's sound some- better. It does sound better, yeah. So I think we should we should give that a look sometime, um, if we're ever so inclined. So Duncan, if you did a nice time, come on. Oh, to, I... to... Yeah, <laughs> it's been nice. It's been yeah, nice. it's always it's always a blast coming on here. Well, last man, know... when the when the people from Make a Wish phoned us, we thought, you know, this is <laughs> this is something that we have to do. You know, <laughs> this is something. <laughs> you know every other podcast I'm on, everyone's like that. Oh, it's it's a pleasure having you here. Not they all treat me with kid gloves, and oh. I get complacent. I get complacent, and I come back on come back on this show, and I remember why it's six well, months between every visit. Aye, that's right. Because <laughs> I think it's been quite obvious you've been complacent given your recent output, but um, <laughs> hopefully this will. Spur you on to better things. Is um, this is this is this podcast going to be entitled the Duncan McLeish roast or something? <laughs> have, I, have I just been punked right. or something? Bags <laughs> you on the front it's end. An intervention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we can shake hands over his back, girl, and show what good friends we are. <laughs> no, we're going to high five. <laughs> yes. So. Guys, thank you very much indeed for listening. Um, my name has been Mr. Roscoe Harold Vacant. If you're so inclined, you can subscribe to the show. Um, we are on iTunes. If you do a search for Gallon Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast, as ever, you can find us on uh, bodacioushorror.co.uk and on Twitter at Bodacious Horror and at Gil Rokitansky. Absolutely, and and uh, Duncan, you're also uh, on these things, and you are visual chaos, and it's a funny spelling. So do you maybe want to tell the boys and girls at home how they can find you? Yeah, it's uh, on Twitter. It's visual underscore chaos. Chaos is spelled K E O double S. Double S. Yeah. As if the K was there enough hassle. As if the underscore was there enough hassle. 
there's a story behind that. When when I when I used to be a musician many moons ago, uh-huh. I used to uh, I primarily was a collector of synthesizers and electronic equipment. And uh-huh. at the time, there was a particular DJ filter device called a Chaos Pad, oh, yeah. and it was spelled K E. Double S, and I used to think it was really cool. So when I set up my Twitter account, I took that over. So and if anybody looks at Duncan's pictures on the internet, they will see that the Visual Chaos is actually also a really good name for him. Just look at him; the man's a mess. Looks like, looks like he's been letting children draw all over him. It's ridiculous. You know that doesn't come off if you use a rubber. <laughs> The tattoos, that is. I mean, not, I was... not, not children. <laughs> uh, okay, so guys, uh, thank you very much indeed for listening. And Gil, have you got anything further to add? Uh, thanks, Obamacare. Absolutely. <laughs> wise words, wise words indeed. And Mr. Duncan McLeish, have you got anything further to add before we go? I love you, Roscoe. Oh, and I love <laughs> you too, Duncan. Take care, guys, and don't have nightmares. Bye! Bye. Bye.